Uh, let me hit record and on three, two, one. Uh, we are speaking with a Canadian legend, Randy Bachman, uh, uh, from, of course, uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, the Guess Who, and host of Vinyl Tap, which is a great, great show. I, I've, I've been listening to a couple of episodes. I, I love the stories you tell, but uh, as we say here in Montreal, bonjour, Randy. How are you? I'm very good. And uh, as, as I say, très bien, très bien. And as always, we have a co-host, Alan Niven. Alan, uh, bonjour. Hi, Alan. Pleasure to meet you, Randy. Nice. So, Randy, let's talk about this event that's coming up on uh, December seventeenth. You're doing a, a, a like basically a live stream with your son Tal. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be in, in part with the TD Toronto Jazz Festival. You're going to be covering storytelling. You're going to be doing the greatest hits from your your bands. Talk to me about this event and what it means to you to actually get out there and be able to play in the sort of these COVID times. Well, when everything kind of shut down, probably last spring, um, Sal's partner, Erico, um, does makeup and hair in, in Victoria. And we're doing a lot of movie people and television. They were shut down. So she came and said, do you want to do a YouTube broadcast? All these guys are out of work. This guy does sound. This guy has cameras. They want to work. I said, well, okay, what do we do? Why don't I just go and do a Wayne's World or something with two acoustic guitars and goof around? <clears throat> so we tried it. And it was a, basically, it was a train wreck. So we ended up calling it our Friday night train wreck. Because Tal, my son, is like 25 years younger than me. I was 25 when he was born. So he brings songs that he grew up with, I might've heard them, but I was on the road at the time and I've never played to a Queen song or do you know what I mean? I've heard them and vice versa. He's never really played to Chuck Berry or Elvis and he's heard them. So if I show up with five or six songs, he's vaguely heard them. When I ask him to sing with me, they're in the wrong key or I'm trying to sing with him and what he's picked, Tears for Fears or something like that. And it's the wrong key. And so we change keys in the middle of the songs, And it's just like, just like now it's like informal. There's nothing planned. We might sketch out lyrics or two because we're not complete idiots, but we've never really rehearsed these songs. And now we're into our 36th or 7th or 38th week where we've done these. And because of that, somebody somewhere saw and asked us to do Backman and Backman as father and son. We also got asked to do an album. We're doing an album out of Nashville as Backman Backman. It's going to be Americana, like folky mountain country rock kind of thing. And we're doing our own hits jazz style now because of our background background broadcast so out of this has evolved a couple of new careers or whatever and a whole cottage industry of bachman exactly <laughs> hey, first, but before first, before i hand it over to alan let me just ask you this what's it mean to play with your son because i know a lot of guys that now have played with their sons whether you look at eddie van halen who played with wolfgang where you look at and there's just something very special and unique about having that moment uh, just, just quickly talk to me about being able to look at him in the eye and go, all right, son, one, two, three, start the song. Uh, it's quite amazing. And it, I, I would like it back to you're driving down the road, you're driving down the highway, and uh, you see a truck and it'll say Simpson and son. And the guy's in there driving and his son's next to him. You know what I mean? They're electricians or whatever. So there is that pride. Um, Tal has played off and on in my bands all the time. He grew up playing drums when he was three or four or five, then switched to guitar, then piano. He's mastered every single instrument just because it's in him. He hasn't really had formal lessons. And uh, I would call him out of the blue 
and say, my drummer just broke his leg. Can you show up tomorrow on drum for three weeks? Okay, Dad. And he'd show up with no rehearsal and know every drum lick in, in the Guess Who or BTO song. And then, uh, hey, I got asked to do an album. I need a producer. Do you want to produce me? Help me sing because I'm not a great singer. Okay, Dad. So he's been playing in my band now for three or four years. When I did the By George album, which is me reinterpreting George Harrison songs, for George's 75th birthday. And obviously I'm not going to do Taxman to sound like Taxman or something to copy the Beatles. I had to do reinvent them, do like jazz cooler chords or different blues and shuffler. And I got him to help me when I was performing that. So natural evolution, when the COVID shut down, I said, hey, Erico's got a closer shop in, in, in Victoria. You're coming out here once a week to do our YouTube. Why don't you just move into this half of my house I'll stay here. We'll share the studio, which is where I am now. If you can see the BTO rug behind me on the wall uh, there, and if yeah. you can see that. Oh, I can see that, and I'm loving every minute of it. I love that. So, that is uh, great. All the guitars are here and everything. So we've set up like a a camera studio, a, a, a Zoom place. Um, it's, it's turned into a production center. Now I'm doing corporate gigs in the States for 200, 300 guys that are interactive, where they're, they want to hear the stories behind my song. So what we're doing as broadcasts are also now being coming, coming up as real legitimate gigs where people are at home on their laptops and they can ask me questions and we answer and three we're just we're we're more than treading water we're actually going somewhere upstream so to speak you're reinventing the wheel it's perfect it's fun to find a a silver lining in this cloudy just open a drawer of clouds and there's maybe a silver lining there's a great silver line alan uh, let me go to you what what questions do you have for randy well, that's a lovely story. I, I love the organic nature of the development of the project. That's awesome. Um, and f- forgive me, Randy, if, if, if I'm getting into something that's personal and you, you don't want to deal with, but uh, my stepson, while we're talking of sons, my stepson had converted to Mormonism and LDS, which... Um, given some of the alternatives I'm delighted with. Yeah. Am I right in thinking you're LDS too? And did you find that difficult being in a rock and roll environment and milieu to keep, keep your, your spiritual line straight? Well, I was very lucky that I became LDS in 19, well, 66. I met a gorgeous woman. Beautiful. That's why guys change. You change your attitude of religion, you meet a chick, you ch- the women really don't change. Guys, when I say to a guy, why do you live in Saskatoon? Well, I met a chick. You know, the guy's from Toronto. You know, you're from Nashville. Why do you live in Moose Jaw? Burton Cummings, why are you in Moose Jaw? I met a chick. You know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> An American gorgeous, woman. I meet this gorgeous woman, and she's, uh, she's LDS. So I convert. Big deal. You don't drink or smoke. Great. I'm allergic to smoke. I don't drink. I've never done a drug or smoked or drank in my life. So... For me, that's fine. I, I haven't even drank coffee in my life, okay? So that doesn't matter. But uh, but I found that through those years with the Guess Who and BTO, which were the heavy drug years, like late 60s into 70s, and I was the only guy who was like straight and sober, I took care of business all the time for every band. We didn't have a manager. I'd get the money in a paper bag. Then it was a buck to get into your gig. You play a gig for 2,000 people, you have $2,001 bills. I'd count them out and I'd go into the bank, deposit it in the bank, and then go on to the next day. With I didn't have a briefcase because people steal briefcases. But if it's a brown paper bag that looks like your lunch, they're not going to steal your lunch. Uh, and so uh, I came through that whole era of time unscathed and, and being straight and alive because I've, I'm such a, an addictive personality 
I've had shrink after shrink after shrink tell me that if I had indulged in those things, I would be I would be dead by now. I just keep doing something and doing like, like, so if you choose rock and roll and that's it, you just keep doing it and doing it. All it's offshoots of country rock and jazz rock and progressive rock and acoustic rock. You just keep doing it and you feed off it. And it, it kind of keeps, it's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Well, you know, it's uh, kept your vitality and, and vibrancy up, Randy. Both Tal and I left the church about 10 years ago. But we still feel it in us. We just didn't want to go anymore. We didn't like it. We didn't like some of the things that had happened. So, well, for a tea bag, it would have been very difficult for me to give up my cup of tea. Right. <laughs> um, let me just quickly ask you, uh, and we'll get back to the to the show here. But you did an album in 1979 with Jim Valance, and I'm friends with Jim. We, you know, I've gone out and seen him at uh, Pretty Woman in New York. We write each other. Uh, talk to me about that team and working with Jim at that time, because he really has become a prominent writer and a prominent uh, person in the industry. Uh, talk to me about your experience with Jim and, and ultimately working with Brian Adams when he was, I guess, 17. He, you know, they co-wrote that song, Rock and Roll Hell. I was not part of that, so you're mistaken on that. You weren't part? Oh, I'm terribly sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that's... When I left BTO and the Shattered Pieces, they went and got Jim Clench on guitar, on bass. And and, and, and they got Robbie Bachman. With the album. Oh, well, look at me I'm making a mistake. Of, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Jim Valance. He's, he's a Canada. Him and Brian are Canada's two greatest songwriters. They really are. And, 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 and it's a shame that I, I look at that. I made a, I made a boo boo, but, uh, let me get to, let me get back to Alan. Alan, go ahead with your next question. Say to me, what was it like to play the white house with the guess who I left and then they played the white house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would, if I was with them, I would have played American woman, even though Richard Nixon said, don't play that song. I would have launched into it. We would have had all the press because Burton Cummings said, when, they, when he succumbed to the pressure and didn't play American Woman at the White House, they lost all their cred with all the cool hippie underground people that American Woman was the, the Canadian song that was protesting America and the, and the Vietnam War. Well, the first thing that's stunning to me, Randy, is that you got the invite to the White House in the first place, given that. Right, but he had left by then. The guests who were, were uh, Trisha Nixon's favorite band, apparently, and she liked American Woman. I think the other two guys had been in the band a week. They just went to the White House for, for fun. <laughs> that is great. Uh, in terms of, uh, of the uh, Toronto Jazz, so uh, torontojazz.com is where we're going to find this show on uh, December 17th. Um, in terms of, of this one, you've done, like you said, 37, 38 is this just something that you keep going and how is it to do the the streaming thing because you are you said you're moving forward you're not treading water uh, do you see yourself maybe just getting off the road and saying you know what i'm kind of happy just sitting at home it, it's not the travel's much better this way do, do you see that as the way moving forward i do i've spoken to a lot of guys this morning i was up at six this morning because all my people are in toronto and i'm on the west coast um we were rearranging the Backman Cummings tour, which is supposed to be this coming June and July. It's now bumped to August, September, because they're looking at, <coughs> excuse me, they're looking at vaccinations coming, right, and America healing. And what they're saying is, and this is cool, the Roaring Twenties are going to be the Roaring Twenties. 
that the other Roaring Twenties came after some pandemic where hundreds of thousands of people were killed and nobody went out and everybody had money in the bank. Now, if you're earning money, your savings account are growing. You have nothing to spend it on, nowhere to go. The minute you can go, you and your lady or you and your buddies are all going to want to get dressed up and go to a rock concert or a movie or out for dinner. We can't go anywhere. That's going to be the Roaring Twenties again. Can you imagine that? We get to live through the Roaring Twenties after the the, the acid 60s and the 70s. We get to actually live the... It might be the Roaring Twenties again where music and everything is just... And fashion and everything becomes crazy. Well, yeah. we're. De- I mean, we're definitely getting into a stage of... of uh... Uh, what am I going to say? We're we're we're, we're definitely going to innovation is the word I'm looking for because right. listen, and, and you're right about that. I, I out I go out and cover rock bands and I have these huge bills for hotels and I have these huge bills for all this stuff, and I've been sitting at home since March. I've got much more money in the bank. I'm happy this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan, go ahead. Well, if we get the Roaring Twenties, Randy, please let's not end in 1929. No, no. I mean. Are you a historian? I'm a bit of a historian, and uh, okay, Roaring Twenties, fine. That'll probably see me out, but you know, I probably won't care if it's another twenty-nine. But God forbid that we have that again. You're right. No, I, well, like I said, we're rolling. We're rolling with the punches coming up, but I'm already for touring with uh, Burton Cummings next fall. Then maybe a Back Return Overdrive tour, and then my album with my son Tell Backman Backman will come out, and we'll be touring. Down south, down in Nashville area with uh, with Keith Urban or, or Emmylou Harris or somebody like that. That would be great. And uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping up on this. But just quickly talk to me about the importance of making new music. Because, listen, you could go out and you could do American Woman and you could do uh, Taking Care of Business. You could do all the songs that you're known for. And you don't have to do anything else. So, so talk to me about still wanting to be creative, still wanting to put pen to paper, still wanting to get into a studio, whether it's with your son or not your son and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to make 10 new tracks, because you don't have to. No, there's something about going to the edge and just jumping. It's a dark room. You don't know where you're going. Are you going to land on glass or a a big, beautiful ocean of foam or something and not get hurt? There's something about going to that edge. Uh, It's very, I've had a really great life having maybe 15 hit songs that everybody knows that I can go and play them, but they want to hear them exactly note for note, exactly like the records. If not, it's a failure. I'm the same way. If I go to see Neil Young, I don't want a new version of Harvest Moon. I want the one that's in my heart and my head, and I want to hear it the way it is. When I do my jazz stuff, I when I first start touring with these jazz guys uh, after the first night, which people loved. I went to them the next night. At the end of the night, I said, did you forget your piano solo? Because said, what do you mean? I said, the solo you did last night that was so good, you didn't do the same solo tonight. And he looked at me and said, this is jazz, man. You do whatever is in your heart and your head at the moment. You played the same solo tonight. It was boring. I went, what? So the next night I went to the edge and played a bunch of weird stuff that was like, I thought was mistakes because it wasn't what it was. What it was supposed to be. But they all thought it was great. There's no such thing as a bad note in jazz. It's called the transition note. You're going from one good note to the other. <laughs> what you hit in between doesn't matter. If you if you hit on the one and the three, uh, your your downbeat and your backbeats two and four, those are the good notes. In between, you play any note you want or leave some space. So I, I kind of like doing it all. It's really kind of great. And then trying to create a new kind of music with this wonderful guy we have in Nashville who's our lawyer. His name is Jim Zumwalt. Uh, he was responsible for Tanya Tucker's big 
comeback last year, and she won a couple of Grammys and a couple of Americana Music Awards and Country Music Awards. Uh, he likes me and Tal because we're like underdogs. People think we're over, we're done, we're finished. He 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 gave us a couple of assignments. We filled this, the assignments. He's going, you guys are going to be the first father-son act that's not a dad playing with his son. You are a 50-50 act. You do that, he does this, you're 50-50. You, he's not under your wing, he is your equal. So when I get a gig from my manager, I'll say, is this for Backman Backman? Because the money that we split on this end is different. If it's for my band, I've got to pay my whole band and we're doing a rock set of 90 minutes at a pop festival in Penticton or Toronto. And so I have to like compartmentalize where are these offers coming from and then how am I going to do it? But whatever configuration I am, Tal's always kind of there with me. He can drum, he plays piano, he plays bass, he sings. If I have a problem singing, he can emulate my voice. And um, he's a much better musician than I am. And it's going to be really fun. Um, and I could count on him. If you if you see our broadcasts, uh, in the middle of something, I'm stumbling, and I'll just go take it. And he'll, he'll rip, rip into a solo, and I go into the rhythm and stuff like that. Because it's a song I don't know where even where the chords are going, right? So I can't play a lead because it's too weird. So we kind of... We kind of um, I don't know, just like any good duel, like if you look at any great duets of whoever, Lennon and McCartney, they kind of read what each other was going to do or they or they hoped it would happen. I'm going to throw this ball there, and if you're in the end zone, we're going to have a touchdown. I throw the ball, and you're of course you're there, and you catch it, and we win the game. It's that kind of a, a weird, wonderful, intuitive feeling that when it happens, you do get the the try, you know, you do get the the, the touchdown, whatever. And I, got, I just got to say, as a Montrealer, that's what I love about a lot of our Canadian artists. We're still keeping it real. I go to a lot of these big shows that are in Vegas or in, and everybody's running track. I mean, how offensive would be would it be for you if somebody said, hey, Randy, how about you just run some track tonight? And you just stand there. Wouldn't that wouldn't that just kill you on the inside? Yeah, it does. Tal and I've discussed that a lot. And he's saying, no, that's too loungy. That's yeah. Like I could go to a karaoke bar and 12 of my songs are in there. And I could just stand up and sing. But people don't want that. They want to see me playing the guitar and how I wrote the song. Yes, they want and it live. I've seen on the YouTube where a guy's there showing someone how to play my song. It's wrong. It's how he thinks my song was played. But there's some little thing that's wrong that I do that only I do because it's the way I play guitar, the way I write a song. So there's something about doing doing the real thing. And I'm working with somebody in Montreal right now. Who? Are you familiar with uh, Bette and Steph? Yes. Okay, I'm working with her. She's now called Elizabeth Eleven. Yes, I also, I also know the damn truth. It's a great, it's a great vibrant scene out here. And she's a very uh, bossa nova lady, and I just sent her a song for my jazz album to sing on. Oh. Uh, we're working back and forth, uh, maybe once a week. And so she's now called Elizabeth Eleven. She got into numerology, which is something really cool, which I wasn't aware of. And so she's called E Eleven, or her name is uh, Elizabeth Provence, her real name, and she was in Bete and Steph. Oh, wow. All right. I'm going to check that out. Uh, folks, of course, uh, Backman and Bachman is uh, December 17th. Uh, you can hear it on Jazz, uh, Jazz Point FM 91. Uh, it'll be streamed simultaneously on YouTube, Facebook. You can also head over to TorontoJazz.com. Alan, any last words? Say hello to Sugar. Yeah, great. You're being attacked. Uh, and Randy, as we yeah. say in Montreal... Uh, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. An absolute pleasure. And, and thank you for everything you've done for Canadian Man, music over the great. years. Thanks for great to you. Be well. Be safe out there.
Yeah, when, if a gig comes up in Montreal, give me a call, okay? Absolutely. I, I would love to. I mean, I've seen you before, and I want to see it again, so let's do it. Great. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so Bye-bye. much. Have a good day.